Two Guys, One Shaker Cup podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. Oh, good morning, Josh Shaw. Good morning. Is it morning? I don't know. I just want to start the podcast different. I'm always okay. like, hey, what's up, everybody? It's like it's the common. I remember doing a video at Ghost one time, and I'm just like, I'm doing an Instagram selfie video. I'm like, what's up, everybody? And they just gave me so much crap for it because that's every video that you see, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, it's always, what's up, everybody? Here's the answer for you. Not much, you. I mean, it's the same thing every time, right? That's what you just gave me. Oh no, you. I mean, you didn't give me that, but you would give that. You know, you'd be like, "Oh, not much. I'm just hanging out in Austin in front of my marijuana plant wall," and and that's what I get from Josh Shaw. But now, I get a. Is it morning? Because people like you lose track of time. I do. I yeah. I have no idea. And that's it's funny when somebody always says like, you know, what's up or like, oh, what do you like to do for fun or whatever. I instantly like cringe because I'm like, man, they're gonna know how boring I am because I literally have no answer for you. Uh, I like to work. I yeah. don't know. Uh, that, <laughs> Like the two questions that you always get the same answer to is what's up and how are you? Not much. Good. Who's going to admit that they're doing shitty? Oh, I'm bad. I'm, I'm fucking terrible. Do you have 20 minutes of your time to tell me about your day? You don't. That's one of my, that's, that's actually one of my pet peeves when I'm, I, I hate small talk. And I also hate the, like when you're in those like parties and you don't really know a lot of people and they always go to these like surface level, like, Oh, the weather's been great or whatever. I'm like, can we get past any of that? Because this is just a waste of my time. Can I, can I ask you like, what are you passionate about? What's what are you like? And like that freaks people out. Cause they're like, well, I don't want to answer those things. Yeah. Yeah. And probably some people probably don't want to hear the answers to those things too. Like, what are you passionate yeah. about? I mean, the people that Josh shall hang out with, who knows what they're passionate about people. <laughs> anyway, on to today's topic of conversation. It's actually um, sort of a broad category. We've, we've alluded to it in the past. We've talked about it in the past, but there's, we could call it a conversation about beverage. We could call it a conversation about ready to drink. Um, specifically within sports nutrition, you historically have what, two categories, but I mean, there's, there's basically a third. I don't know how you would, you would generalize it, but you have your ready to drink protein drinks, and then you have the, the rise and boom of ready to drink energy drinks, which has absolutely skyrocketed in recent years. Um, and I guess you could also make a, a claim like there's like protein waters and amino acid products. I don't know if you'd call that other. There's recovery drinks like Celsius has some stuff out there. There's Fit Aid. So I don't know how you would – how would you – because you're in you, – you do a lot of CPG consulting. Like how would you classify the other category of drinks? I think a lot of them are just like subcategories of those two propositions of either protein or energy. I think a lot of times those uh, seem to be – I don't want to say like the Trojan horses of like merchandising, but like in terms of if you're having a cooler space with beverages, there's really only so much section. I was talking to somebody recently around coffee and they had coffee plus and it's like, yeah, you do have a differentiation in coffee, but it's still in the coffee section. Like the merchandising, they're not going to just like stick all these different subcategories in there. You're still going to be paired up with all the other coffees. So you're in the coffee section. So, you know, it's, it's, we can get into like the nuance, but a lot of times it's just literally like, is it by the proteins or is it by the uh, energy products? Yeah. I, I mean, there's been a lot of, I, I don't know if you want to call it innovation or what you want to call it, but there's been some products that have been popularized in the last seven years that yes, probably fall into those categories, but they're unique and different to what's out there. So when we talk today about like, you know, what would we do or what would you put your money in? Like Josh and I've had this conversation in the past. It's like, okay, do you, do you go into protein, which has a huge, um, buried entry? Uh, there's a lot to it. Do you go into energy, which seems like everybody's doing or, can you go into energy but take like a subtle plan? And an example is um, like I think it's pronounced Zevia, right? Z e v i a. And I don't know how long they, how long has it been around for. Do you have any inclination how long it's been around? Um, it's been a while because I remember it. 
was pretty popular around the time like CrossFit started to get really right. super popular. So 10, 10 plus years ago, I think it, it kind of caught that wind similar to like LaCroix and a lot sure. of those like, um, you know, kind of carbonated, uh, sparkling waters. It's interesting because I mean, I have seen more in-store displays on Zevia in the last couple of years than I ever have. And I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, somebody told me it was an energy drink and I look at it. It's just, it, it's, it's a sugar-free soda, right? It's like a, it's a pop. Um, and, and, but for whatever reason in our space, a lot of like bodybuilders, fitness people like that. The other one, um, which was on Shark Tank is this brand called Super Coffee, which I'm sure you've heard of and, and maybe have tried. Um, I've been seeing more and more massive displays on Super Coffee in huge retailers like Target and Hy-Vee's up here. I tried it and I thought it was actually really good. Um, and I guess, you know, the people behind it, I think they partnered with Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. But um, so that like that particular example would be a play, I guess, on energy, but maybe taking a, a different approach to it. So I think this conversation will be interesting because we could talk about Redcon 1's MRE RTD, which just launched. That's protein, but they took a different sort of way in by being non-dairy. So um, what have you seen in the category, Josh, that sort of excites you, I guess, when we talk about either protein or energy? I think the utilization of more, I would say like natural ingredients or it would be that like adaptogens or herbal ingredients or, or some of those types of things that traditionally were used more on like bleeding edge beverages. Um, you'd see them in Expo West each year and you'd, you'd taste them and they wouldn't taste all that great. Um, and that was always the kind of um, ceiling to them was that when it hit mainstream, people were not really willing to accept them to the level in which the health benefits kind of were there. They're like, I should drink this, but I'm not going to drink it every day because I don't like it. But as flavor systems and flavor houses and, and companies have really gotten a hold of these things and really understood how to neutralize them and not only neutralize them, but make them taste actually really good, you're starting to see a lot of these beverages start to have more play in the market because people are, again, trying them and saying, wow, this has been pretty good. And I think with the COVID-19 kind of shopping uh, behaviors that have changed, there has been a little bit of an elevated discovery of people trying new things. A lot of it came down to that initial phase where there was a ton of like stockouts. There was just the certain products that you were used to buying a lot of weren't on shelf. So then you thought, okay, let me look for substitutes. Let me look for something new. That gave a lot of brands the opportunity to tr get another like trialing period. And because now they have much better tasting product, it did help them with um, some of that growth of that product. And hopefully as these things kind of progress, it'll, it'll kind of get better. But we mentioned around like the super coffee um, play with, you know, coffee plus. And mm -hmm. I always think about coffee plus in a way that, and they, and they have protein and, and kind of energy, but I think about coffee plus as more also energy drink. Is it all together? Like, does it give you energy? You know, if that answer is yes, and it's, technically an energy beverage. If it comes from coffee, if it comes from some synthetic caffeine and with fruity flavors, it doesn't matter to me. Sure. I think you're just pulling something that's going to give you energy. Uh, but what's interesting there is that you're seeing like the traditional, I guess, more like milk based, cream based, like a little bit different of a mouthfeel product that you would normally think about as a protein product, but having energy. So mm -hmm. you're having this like crossover that's happening in kind of both ways, because on the flip side, you're seeing on the energy ones that have kind of fruit flavored ones with like some of the monster, um, I think maybe monster, a couple other ones that have thrown in 
like both the energy drink plus protein, but with the more traditional kind of just carbonated, um, you know, water type of right. an approach to it. So you're seeing like crossovers where before it was always just one state in one lane, one state in the other lane, and there wasn't much crossover, which confuses a lot of customers. But I think people are looking to um, test to see what people are liking, because I think right now both categories are growing like a weed. So it's like, hey, let's see if there's some opportunity for some crossover, because people might like the mouthfeel of one, but there was never a product that matched them and maybe vice versa. One of my favorite products prior to becoming more knowledgeable on fitness was Starbucks had the the their Starbucks protein. Like it tasted like coffee, um, had protein in it. Mouthfeel was great, obviously loaded with sugar. But it was, you know, it, had I been smarter then, I would have thought, because this was, I think, even prior to super coffee becoming a big thing. And it's like, well, that there's an opportunity there to make a better version of this. Um, and, and I think it's sold. I mean, Starbucks obviously has like their espresso, but then you you see Monster has their Java drinks, and you have, I don't know, like Red Bull doesn't. I don't. Maybe they do. I don't. I haven't seen anything outside of Red Bull. But like, there are brands that are doing that crossover thing. And you're right. I think it is that it's tough for a consumer to say, wait, I'm getting this plus this. Like, how does caffeine and um, protein go together? And I think what's what's extremely kind of interesting to me is Glombia or, or Optum try to do it in powder. They tried to do their, their protein plus energy, um, which failed in, in the powder formula. But I feel like in the ready-to-drink category, I wouldn't call it a failure. I think it's actually doing fairly well, I mean, considering the rise of super things like that. So the delivery mechanism in which people get a certain benefit can maybe alter the way in which you purchase that as well. Because apparently it's not cool to buy it in a powder form. Like, we don't want that. But, you know, you think about on-the-go beverage, it's like – Typically, when you want on-the-go beverage, you're, you're getting uh, a beverage from a gas station, C-store. You're probably looking for energy because you're tired and you're buying a Diet Coke. or It's either water or energy, I feel like, are the two things that people buy. Um, in, in a, and then really, that's kind of the two things that are available. But then it's like, okay, I can also get 20 grams of protein because protein is now sort of a buzzword. Like People just assume, like, hey, protein, protein, protein is what I need. And they buy it. So um, it's been cool to see it. And, 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 you know, that brings us to our discussion. It's like, okay, what would you do then? <clears throat> would you take a shot at the protein world? Which, before we actually answer that question, I want – you probably know from your time at Muscle Farm because I'm assuming your time at Muscle Farm, you guys looked to go to RTD Protein because you guys were massively big in your powdered protein, one of the first bigger brands to sell a ton of it outside of probably Optimum and like your GNC house brands and that – how difficult is it for a brand to get into that space? Yeah, your biggest hurdle is the uh, minimum quantities and the supply constraints and just total line time in the United States. That's your biggest hurdle. Um, I think recently, and it could it's ways depending on what kind of um, production. So if you're doing like a hot philoseptic with the protein, you're looking at this Point, like a couple million bottles just to get on anybody's schedule, which is a huge hurdle to get for anybody. I mean, that's a couple flavors you're looking at a couple million dollars in um, in investment. So if you think about that, that just knocks out almost yeah. 90 percent of the brands yeah. right off the bat. Um, so then you do see sometimes some different types of um products that get made um, that maybe fit. They can kind of maneuver it with different types of uh, packaging or, or different types of just the way that the product is made or whatever. And that maybe gets them down a little bit more, but yeah, it's extremely difficult from that level, the financial, you know, hurdle that you have to get over just to be able to that. And that's just, you know, if your brand is big enough to obviously have the retail 
distribution points and everything like that, that's not a big deal. But it is when you are maybe just selling online or maybe you're just selling on Amazon or whatever, and you look at the unit economics and you go, this isn't, this isn't going to be the best move for me. Right. So, I mean, there's that. So that, that right away um, is a huge hurdle. But then you want to talk about opportunity. Is there a bigger opportunity in protein, if you can do it right, versus energy? And I think that we've been around the industry long enough to hear over and over that energy drinks are saturated and everybody's doing one and, and whatnot. And I know you have your point of view on, on the saturation point of energy as well. But I always thought, looked at the protein category and thought it was a, a very attractive space. We could do it because for the longest time there's been you know brand A and brand B that's kind of ruled it. And we've talked about that, right? Um, Saddle Sport or, or Muscle Milk, and then Premier Protein were kind of the two big ones. You walk into a C-store, it's predominantly Muscle Milk. Now, there are other brands. Like, I know Glombia had their ABB brand, which was in, you know, gyms and, and some sports nutrition stores. But really, if you talk about mass market appeal, it was it was Premier, I think, is, is kind of the, the go-to. Yeah. I mean, you see that even in Costco. Nobody else has really played in that space or has dove in that space. And now Redcon pops in with their MRE RTD. Ghost is going to look to go on there, as you've seen Dan, who's one of the owners of Ghost, post on his Instagram, and he's trialing and airing it. So I think they also see the opportunity, but to your point, they have to front the cash, which makes it extremely hard. So I guess you have to play the economics or play the equation. Like, does the reward outweigh the risks? And I, 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 I don't necessarily know just right off the cuff like what you have to do to compete with Muscle Milks and Premier Proteins of the world because they've, had, they've been in that space for so long. Branding, I think, is huge, so Ghost could definitely do that. Alternative methods, which was what Redcon's doing, so that they're they're approaching it differently um, than what's currently in the market. But I think if you look at anything like, take your boy Jack Olwalk at Bang and what he did for energy. You know, it was Red Bull, it was Monster, it was Rockstar, and he came in different packaging, different marketing, and and Grand. He's not he's not you know I don't know what his revenue is yet. I don't think it's, it's not like Monster revenue, right? Like a Red Bull revenue yet. But he's 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 growing extremely fast. And he's killing it. Yeah, I mean, his revenue, I think, this year, um, heading into, I think, the back half of it was was on pace to hit somewhere around $2 billion. So, I mean, like, it's massive numbers now. Um, obviously, I think Monsters... Can we? You said $2 billion with a B. $2 billion, yeah, $2 billion. For everybody listening to this, when I, the last year I was at General Mills. Okay, General Mills, huge corporation, owns a ton of brands. $16 billion was what they did in revenue. General fucking Mills. So you have somebody doing an eighth of the revenue of a massive corporation in General Mills with basically one product. I mean, Grand, there's there's different avenues there, but yeah. I mean that that is insane. Yeah, and it's been a, it's been a long process, and I think that's an important point to note about you know Redcon or Ghost or whatever we would launch is that yeah, are could they get initial traction in some of the they're, they're kind of most um, intimate channel. So will they have support online easily? Yeah. Will they have support on, say, Amazon if they sell on Amazon? Yes. Uh, do they have support on Vitamin Shop or GNC or some of the supplement shops? Yes, easily. But you can only sell so much in those yes. spots. You you can you tap out pretty quickly. I mean, you're going to get at the highest point, maybe $10 million or something out of there. So at that point, then you move into other channels that do not know you or know you very small. And that's small day by day, adding incremental retail distribution points, just getting those doors open, pushing product through. Um, and as those things grow, it's like year by year, you start to get more momentum. You start to get uh, more confidence and you start to be able to grow more. 
And you do jump pretty quick in beverage because the total addressable market of both protein beverages or energy beverages, which are, which is much higher, when you start to get some traction, you can grow pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But very few ever get traction because they never get a chance on a lot of these shelves or in cooler doors. Right. So any of these brands, it's not going to be like year one or year two, they're going to have any materially significant revenue. And that's coming from me talking from like a beverage industry, not like, you know, a supplement industry. If they sell 10 or $20 million worth of beverages, people are going to be like, wow, this is great. It's selling. Oh my God, it's so popular. It doesn't mean much to the beverage industry. That's something very small on the, on the spectrum. They're basically then on the radar of some of these bigger beverage portfolios that are looking at them to one, buy them because they want to get rid of them or buy them because they like them and they want to grow them more. Um, so that's kind of where that's at. So moving back into like, what would we do? I think because regardless, it's going to be a slow build. I would want to build something that I think is aligned more towards some of like the secular growth channels. So like plant-based protein, if we're talking first protein, I would hundred percent do plant-based. I would not do milk-based. Um, I would stay away from anything lactose or anything in that area. I would use a base probably of like oat milk. So that's on trend as well. And then just go straight up like natural things. Have you had oat milk yourself? What? Have you had oat milk yourself? Yeah. So I think it's got a, I think that has a better, um, use for a lot of things has better mouthfeel is better. Like people like that more than some of the other, like alt milk, nut based milks, those types of things. So I think it has right now that's hundred percent plus growth or something like this year and, and like whatever. So if you use that as a base, at least use it as a marketing terminology, you have that in there. Plus you have plant-based protein plus like a couple other things in there. I think it at least puts you in a cross section of the beverage game that you have a chance to, um, when you do get momentum to, to grow pretty quickly. If you're fighting against, like you said, uh, premier or muscle milk, they already have the conventional doors locked up or the conventional retail points locked up. I mean, Premier's going to do, you know, 1.1 billion next year. And I don't know exactly what, um, muscle, muscle milk will do. Cause now it's under PepsiCo, but it'll be probably three, 300, $400 million or whatever. And like, that's a lot of the total addressable market of those products. And they're in all of the major ones. So the Walmarts, the targets, the Costco's, so, the seven elevens, you know I mean? So you look at that and you go, if I want to stack up conventional, conventional, it's, it's going to cost you money to get on those shelves. They're not going to just put you against those people and, and, and just let you die out there. You're going to have to try to, um, you know, spend money to get those, those, those wheels turning. So it's going to be a tougher battle that way. I think I would go a little bit different and try to attack it as, I'm a challenger. I'm something different. I'm meeting the new consumers. You need this on shelf. I think that's a better play than the opposite way. The two brands that you just mentioned, I think collectively, if I'm doing my math right, they're like a half a billion dollars in revenue. Which ones? Premier and, and Muscle Milk. Is that what you? That'd be, yeah, 1.5 billion. They would do. Yeah. Oh, 1.5 billion, which is less than Bang. Okay, so I think what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is I think people ultimately look at the size of the category and you say, okay, well, Bang's doing 2 billion. Red Bull's doing God knows what. Monster's doing God knows what. So you say collectively in energy, you say energy's $10 billion. I don't know. And then protein is, say protein's like $2.5 So people are saying, okay, well, well, energy is 4X of protein. Like I'm ultimately going to go with energy. Well, you got to understand like the reason why energy is so big is because a, it's dominated by, by four big brands or whatever it is. But like there's also these small little fishes too that, 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 uh, contribute to that overall number. So 
the opportunity of a growth or the opportunity of a category, in my opinion, is probably approaching. I feel like that category is just under underserved maybe um one way like josh mentioned protein i mean you go walk down a a fucking ice cream aisle now you're getting coconut milk ice cream you're getting oat based oat milk based ice cream i mean that that space is growing i don't know what the numbers are in terms of of dollar sales but again the protein category is probably where it's at because it's been stagnant for so long in terms of there hasn't been touched and i think the reasons why i haven't been touched is exactly what josh alluded to earlier in the show it just costs so damn much it's hard to get it done and then, like, what are you going to do differently? Can you, make, can you make protein exciting and sexy? Well, you can, I think, if you do, like, things like Josh said or you do cool branding. So um, with that said, like, I ultimately, in my mind, is like, okay, we're going protein because I got deep pockets and we're going to do it. But I have a passion for nootropics. And I think, like, to, when you talk about functional beverage, that would fall under energy because you need caffeine really to have, uh, I think, in my opinion, um, a hard-working nootropic. I look at like C4 Smart Energy and I feel like I don't, I think they could have done more with that. They still are doing some stuff with that. And I think Nutribolt hopefully can figure out how to grow that. But like to me, that that can be sexy. Uh, it could be something even as close as like the five hour energy shot. Look how, look how quickly that thing grew. I mean, I, I don't know if you can, you wouldn't, would you consider that beverage? I don't know what you'd consider that. I mean, it's usually grouped into the energy beverages category, but like out of the billion dollar market, I think they do 90. Two or three percent of the market, five-hour energy. The rest yeah. of it's private label, and right. maybe like a couple little ones here and there. But I mean, they, they, and that was—I mean, they killed it. Like, they, and I—I'm I, a concert goer, so every time you go to a concert and people are getting tired, they shoot a shot of five-hour energy, and then they go back to drinking alcohol. Well, okay, well, can, what, what, what? Can I put Adderall in a can? Like, how do I put Adderall in a can? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. a, le- a legalized version of Adderall, whatever that might be, into a shot or into a can. And can you tell that story? Because I feel like. The busier we get as a society, the more we get dragged down by copious amounts of caffeine and the longer hours that we work um, and, you know, all the different things. We can't put our phones down. We can't put our iPads down. We can't walk away from work. I mean, you can only visit you can only visit Starbucks so many times in a day until you get burnt out. So is there a better alternative out there that you could price point it where it's going to be? And, and maybe it's more of a convenient thing. Maybe it's not a full beverage. I think beverages are nice because if you enjoy the taste, like, I mean, I, I – drink one right here like i enjoy the taste of it so it's nice but um you know i would be torn between doing a 12 16 ounce beverage or just a little energy shot type thing with with nootropics but that's where i would go because i think the barrier is a little bit lower to entry um and i think it just comes down to you, you gotta sell it and i think um like you've been to expo west many times like they look for buyers to also look for that alternative and, and the, the difference and there's not a ton you know there's the adrenaline energy drink. There's a C4 Smart Energy. But there hasn't been a ton. I mean, I know Ghost has has nootropics in it. They don't really tell the story on the can. But, I mean, is there a way to tell that story? And I think that's that's where I'm going because, A, I'm more passionate about it, and I think it could be a little bit sexier in terms of marketability. I agree in terms of where if you were going to approach an energy product, you would probably go more towards the focused neuro side of it um, because I think we're at the point where the, I don't want to even say like the market, but like the regulatory side is, is not going to let it push farther past the three, maybe 350 in an energy drink. Like, I think that's about the, the, the cap into which they're going to let you go anywhere past that. I think they'll start to really kind of restrict some things. So at that point you can't ramp that up anymore. So what do you do? Maybe you need to put some other things in there to balance it out and make it more of a focus product over just ramp up the heart rate. So I think that's kind of where those things go. 
rolling it back into like what some of the things that maybe excite me and a lot of those maybe even herbal type of ingredients or adaptogen type of ingredients that will help a little bit of that. The problem with those ingredients though is that they do take a lot of storytelling and they're not necessarily like sensory to the point of like caffeine or something similar to that where people like energy drinks or, or they buy more energy drinks because it's very simple for them to understand. Right. They pick it up, they drink it, gives them energy, good to go. What's in it doesn't really matter as long as it gives them energy. Now protein, they understand they need protein, but when they drink it, they don't really understand what that protein is actually doing in their body. They just think, okay, somebody told me I needed extra protein, I drink it. And we're talking most mainstream consumers. We're not talking about you, know, you and I, obviously we know everything about why we're taking these products, but the Common consumer doesn't. They just heard doctor whoever on TV said you need more protein. Cool. This one has 10 grams of protein or 15 grams of protein. Let me try it out. Right. Um, so that's kind of the difference, I think, between why the, I guess, market is much bigger because energy is you're tired, you need something, and you pick it up. Now, why I think some of these neuro products or uh, you know nootropic products are struggling a little bit, at least initially, and I think they're, they're growing – like crazy, but they haven't really hit the mainstream yet is that they do take a little bit of the education. And when a lot of these products, I think 70, 75% of them get sold through convenience channels, it's grab and go. It's quick. You pick it up and you said about, you know, packaging or whatever, people aren't even really looking at the packaging for maybe what's in it or what's the storytelling on it. So I think it needs to be something that is probably just added in as some extra things. And then as you build up a brand, like say Bang Energy, you have $2 billion in your Bang sales, you start to then kind of migrate people over, the, the most advanced users over to maybe some of those other ones. I think he has like a nootropic, um, I don't know what it's called or whatever, but he has Fusion. a beverage like that. Yep. Um, I think New Fusion or something like that. You and know I think what that, it's called, Josh. Don't play dumb. You know what it's called. You, you have a whole cooler for Jack's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. I'm going to get a text message say, you know what this is. You <laughs> like, know exactly what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, you're. I think that that's you're right. I mean, and here's how you build a nootropic infused beverage: you get Bradley Cooper and to talk about that. Really, seen Limitless and Game Over. All right, Jackal Walk, watch out. Bradley Cooper has got a face to die for and a voice that Josh listens for listens to to calm himself to sleep at night. So, it's. I mean, but but for real, I think you you make a good point. Um, you know, I guess as we look to close off the show, I, I gotta ask. Like, we come back to the protein category. Do you think? Aaron Sigerman's take at protein is going to be successful. So I like, um, I like the product as a whole. Like I've tried the product I tried them, you know, a couple of the versions ago, I tried the final version. Um, I like the product as a whole. I think for me, and, and I'm going to say this because I've said it to them directly is that I don't necessarily think that a, how big it is from like the protein content or whatever. I think the 30 grams is where it, where it should be at, not kind of higher. That's a, a little bit bigger of a beverage. Um, and then I think that the, it does take a little bit of like consumer education, which is, um, you know, going to take some time, I think past mainstream, I think it'll sell great for the consumer base. I think where they're going to put it at initially, it's going to do well in where I think a lot of this changes is, is when it gets into the, some of those larger retail channels, you know, when it hits the shelf on Target or Walmart or 7-Eleven or Costco, like, do people understand it and will they pick it up? I think is still a question that I'm not necessarily sure about, but I definitely like the take about it. I've always liked the MRE take on how it's not 
the traditional kind of protein sources and all of that, because I think it's the, I don't want to say the flexitarian like bodybuilder approach to it, because like you think about plant-based protein, you think like, oh, that's for women or that's for weak right. people or whatever. That's always been like the old way of thinking about it. And I still think a lot of that still is true in the mindsets of, of especially like the big bodybuilders. They're like, right. I don't want to mess with this stuff. So for you to then take away the dairy aspect of it, because that does mess with a lot of people's guts and, and whatever, and you put it in like chicken or beef or whatever, I think it has a really good story. I think it needs to be told to the mainstream consumer in a way that is doesn't make them sound like it's weird because I'll tell you at least even just giving it to like my uh, fiance that like she doesn't really like she doesn't she drinks a lot of protein drinks whatever but like when I told her it was like you know chicken protein or salmon protein or, or beef protein she initially was like gross exactly. you know like because I had to explain to her like oh it's not just like <laughs> what you think it's going to taste like right uh, but I think a lot of consumers at least initially are going to have to get over that and they're going to need to get that trialing going before mainstream consumers are like cool I like this yeah that's to me is going to be the most difficult part for him is like wait I'm drinking beef chicken and salmon and brown rice what. I mean, it's hard, and, and I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think just because you're right count one means you're going to be successful. I think it's going to be a challenge, and uh, I hope they kill it. I do. It's just in a world in which plant-based keeps growing and growing and growing, and they're trying to find alternatives to dairy and, say, meat, you're giving them a, a, a product that contains, you know, like a meat protein. So we'll, we'll see there. So um, I ex fully expect, Josh, after you, you know, and, and I, for, you call her your fiancé, so I, I got to say, does that feel, feel weird? Yeah, I don't like that word at all, um, but I feel like it's the appropriate <laughs> term, so I have to use it. <laughs> so, I don't, have you even told anybody? Yet, or is this the first time? This is the first time you talked about it on the show. First time I talked about it on the show. Yeah, actually, I don't think I've made any social media no. posts myself. And Breaking she, news: she, Josh Hall's <laughs> off the market. She has. I have not. I, well, of course, most of my social media is people that, that follow me. Know it's mostly business at this it point. Must I, be I, nice. I, I keep the personal stuff away from it because I think a lot of times. Um, people just stick their noses where they don't need to be. So I just keep it on business and go that way. It must feel nice that she loves you so much. She wants to tell the world that you guys are engaged. Yeah. And, and then yeah. there's Josh Shaw. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to tell anybody. I'm going to drop it on this podcast with Ryan. <laughs> if you guys like what you heard here, hit the subscribe button, listen to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or watching via YouTube, help us out by writing us a review, leave a comment. Uh, let us know what, what would you take on? And then on top of that, like I'd like to hear like what your favorites are in each category. It'd be interesting to see like what people are consuming. I mean, I'm sure I know some of them um, out there, but I, I I would imagine that there's not many people probably consuming RTDs in terms of protein drinks, but they are drinking two, three, four. If you're a friend of Josh all, you're probably drinking a six pack of bang a day. So uh, you can follow us on social media channels at two guys, one shaker cup, pretty much on all the channels. That one hits them late. There you go. Good reaction, Josh. Jay Shaw consulting and that fitness informant. Happy, happy engagement, Josh Shaw. Happy engagement. Podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.